Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower. And we are continuing this week for uthdynasty.com, our tough-to-rank-and-value series. You can go back and listen to the previous two weeks with quarterback as well as running back. Katie, before we get started for our four featured players this week and kind of talking about the wide receiver position at whole and what makes it difficult, uh, I want to go over a couple running back situations that changed over the past 48, 72 hours on Thanksgiving week here, which is two bigger names, two uh, higher pedigreed options. And it just goes to show you that uh, we are entering a new era of, of in the NFL the past few years where players are more liquid than ever before, whether that's in-season, uh, restructuring, releasing, trading, uh, whether that's quarterbacks, running backs, etc. And Daryl Henderson, Melvin Gordon, both being moved uh, and just banks. We don't want your services anymore. And it's not surprising considering how we've seen those teams rapidly move away from those players as, as recently as week 11. Um, what, what was your first thought when, when seeing the Monday exodus that was this week and those two running backs? <laughs> First of all, I wasn't that surprised about Daryl Henderson. Everybody's had the buzz, buzz, buzz on Kyron Williams that once he got healthy, he was going to be the receiving back. Cam Akers is healthy. He's back in the fold. They don't run a ton. So I think that Kyron Williams is going to be the more coveted back of the two. Uh, but it gives another team the opportunity to pick up Daryl Henderson. There are some needy teams out there. So the, the interesting chips, I wouldn't drop him right away. That's the danger in dynasty is you drop a player too soon and then he gets signed to an even better situation for a playoff push. So even if, even if you're not a contender, if you've got a player like that, hold on to him because even if you could get a second or a third, you know, heading into the playoffs for that, Next year's class is pretty loaded. It's pretty deep. And, you know, it's basically a free reset. And then as far as Melvin Gordon fumbling too much, and they have a lot of faith in Latavius Murray. He's done well. Javonta Williams is hurt, but they're saying, sorry, veteran. We just can't. That's unacceptable. So, again, where will he land? I'm I'm not certain, but there's some teams, again, out there that could use him. I don't know what his fumbling woes really are or if they, it, it just happens to be the hits. I haven't really watched him that closely. Yeah, I think in terms of the incumbents, the biggest takeaway for me was Latavius Murray has a real chance to put together a close of season here. That the Broncos feature the running back position, they're seventh in goal line, third in running back targets. And if you say that Chase Edmonds right now is out, Mike Boone right now is out, uh, and it looks like Marlon Mack might be the healthiest number two back they have for the next game or two. Latavius Murray was already impeding upon Melvin Gordon, and 
he we have seen him before just eliminate comet competition when you might think Latavius Murray is over the hill and he's he's proving yet again that he is not and so he's the most interesting I don't know if the Rams produce anything of value for the rest of the season they just do not feature the run game and especially in the passing game that position which makes it really tough and they almost have a uh, a Chiefs like split where you say Cam Akers is going to get the majority of carries Kieran Williams is going to get a majority of the receiving work like Pacheco versus McKinnon. And that creates a, a, a divergent split that makes it tough for either guy to really uh, survive and thrive. Uh, and, and I love what you said, which is this is a key week, you know, with, 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 with Thanksgiving and it, it has a bit of a different feel, always more games earlier in the week, but waivers can kind of, or first come first serve can kind of fall to the wayside for for dynasty owners. So make sure those drop players in the leagues where it's just wide open season after after waivers. Make sure that you are earmarking, like Katie said, uh, guys like Gordon or Daryl Henderson or notable names that folks just move on from. I find some of my best pickups on a weekly basis across my leagues are not specifically waiver wire bids, but more just claiming the the discarded players. Uh, sporadically, and it may, it may be three or four players total pickups across forty leagues. But the point is, those are still players you don't want to miss. That when they when they hit the wire, get them for free and get those profiles that are preferred long term over the waiver wire options. Let's start with the wide receivers here, Katie. Um, and we've got four interesting ones. Where would you like to start off with your candidates of tough to rank, tough to value? Where do they sit now? And we're going to try to help each other kind of just talk through profiles and uh, where we stand on these players. Well, I think it's very hard to rank uh, Justin Jefferson. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's he's wide receiver one. He's got everything. And what I like about him just in general, what I look for in a wide receiver is somebody that can not only get you the weekly steady, and if they don't, it's it's still not a big deal, but they can get you that big 30, 35, 40 some odd points multiple times per season. They're actual game changers. So there's only really a handful of them. And then after that, a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, where is he being valued versus where, where is he producing? Right now, currently on the season, he's wide receiver 15 based on average uh, in PPR, roughly averaging 15.6 points per game, which puts him right in the range with Amari Cooper and Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Chris Olave, Christian Kirk. But but on a dynasty level, he's being right in that same spot, wide receiver 13. I look at other people's rankings to see, uh, you know, that it's not just UTH bias or whatever the case may be, but DLF has him at wide receiver 13. And I still think that for, for that type of player with that, um, there's so many other guys in that point range, and I don't know that he's necessarily that game changer that I'm looking for. Yes, he's that steady Eddie that will put up week after week, and he doesn't seem to have any bad games, but his quarterback situation uh, is decent. You've got Goff. He's so far been proving to be uh, solid and not going anywhere, but Jameis, Jameson Williams coming off IR, top first-round pick, so there will be some targets there, just question marks whether or not his value is right about where he's being taken in Dynasty. Yeah, um, I will say Amon Ross St. Brown has been a tough one for me because when you get the guy that lacks pedigree, that comes in 
and flashes and not just flashes. You know, he produced for what was it, a month and a half. And the real question was, was he going to continue that momentum this year? The answer to that is he has. And I, I think part of it for me is he's doing it a little bit of a different way. And that can be tough when it doesn't look prototypical in terms of a wide receiver. Uh, they can, again, play plenty in the slot. They can get yards after catch. But I think cases like, let's say Debo Samuel, right? He's doing it a bit of a different way. And Amon Ross St. Brown, it's, it feels a little more manufactured. But here's the real thing. He's producing. And even if it's more in a Jarvis Landry sense, and that's the name I keep coming back to of a guy that, oh, we question the athleticism. We don't know if he's that good. Well, guess what? He produced well in college. He produced right away in the NFL. And I think at some point, and I think this is the time in year two where he's doing it again, he's doing it without a lot of help in that passing game to say, let's take attention away from Amon Ross St. Brown. Jamison Williams hasn't played. TJ Hawkinson got moved. There really hasn't been someone to take attention away, and yet he's still doing it. So my my pea brain at some point has to look at the profile of he's 20, he, he just turned 23, I believe, and he's producing back to back years, cross sections of both seasons, and pretty much a string now of about a full season when you look at that. And he's on a team that Jameson Williams is a different type of player. He's a lid lifter, he's a perimeter guy. And Amon Ross St. Brown would blend really well with that. That is the long term, quote unquote, competition for touches. And I just look at it and I think the requisite value of a 23-year-old now with part of a season and now working on a full season of production right away, a guy that produced well in college and frankly looks like he was underdrafted that I think you know I am up near the market now where before I was clearly below last year because I wanted to see what they did. I had higher hopes for DJ Chark specifically of a guy that's produced in, at the NFL level that hasn't produced this year. He hasn't been healthy enough, but it just has not come together. And the fact that they moved on from Hawkinson, the fact that Swift hasn't been as much of an element in the passing game, they are running this thing through Amon Ross St. Brown. And there's no reason to think over the next couple of years that centric nature of the offense for inside of 20 yard targets continues the direction of St. Brown. Um, I ran some comps on him uh, that a career art comps, 19 of them came up and all of them posted at least one top 36 season in the future beyond this point, 11. So that's more than half a wide receiver one season. So again, I think we just need to adjust our sights. I'm really tough on wide receivers kind of within a, a little spectrum of what they should look like. And the NFL now is more slot centric. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown is coming into the NFL at the right time. That if it was 10, 15 years ago, there'd be very few teams open to using him and maybe featuring a wide receiver like this as much as the the Lions are. Yeah, and he's had some he's had some games where he's had double digits. He's had games where he's been in the single digits. It, you know, he does have that fluctuation, but yeah, I just I don't consider him a, a true wide receiver one, but yet at wide receiver 13, he's going at wide receiver one prices. And my point as far as 
hard to rank or hard to value, you can get so many other guys a lot cheaper. Like Tyler Lockett is almost matching him, and you could probably pick him up for a third-round pick right now. You can't do that for Amon Ross St. Brown. You can get the production. Brandon Ayuk isn't that far behind, and he's being valued lower. So, you know, like wide receiver 36, and I'd rather have Brandon Ayuk. I do think he does have the wide receiver one potential um you know, or at least that that same wide receiver two type potential. And so why pay up for something that you can get replacement pretty easily and a lot cheaper? Yeah. And, and and the interesting part also when I look at my my wide receiver rankings and just values in general, there's not many of them that are in flux, let's say, contract wise coming into next year. It's actually a pretty weak free agent class. And the 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 first guy I wanted to bring up is my highest ranked player at wide receiver that is an upcoming free agent or is a strong, strong candidate to be uh, restructured, released, uh, you know, sorry, we don't want your services anymore at the requisite value that we have agreed upon previously. Um, and that player is Jacoby Myers. Uh, he's another player that I have warmed to in in recent years and appreciated because again doesn't have the pedigree but all he does is produce um this year he is coming in around wide receiver 20 or so and he's one that uh, again he doesn't fit the traditional mold of say alpha wide receiver he's not a huge traits guy you know in terms of speed he's not overly big but when you look at guys like that, what I always say, and Amon Ross St. Brown is a good example of this, but Jacoby Myers fits as well. When you say they produce beyond what you might expect their athletic, physical traits to embody, that means they have a lot of tools. I've always said that's a proxy for tape. That's a proxy for route running. That's a proxy for nuances of the position. And Jacoby Myers has that. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if the Patriots move on. Generally, these stronger free agents do not move on. Most of them return to their current team. And I think Jacoby Myers is an interesting case of saying, where what is the ceiling versus what is the floor? Because he's a, a pretty valuable type if he's sitting there and you start him as one of your last wide receivers. If he's your wide receiver one in Dynasty, no, that's not going to feel too great. But he has a lot of strong comps. Uh, about half of them have future wide receiver one outcomes with his career arc analysis. And yet in the market, he might be in the 30s or 40s of appeal just because he's not a bigger name and frankly, uh, a far more acquired taste type wide receiver. Yeah, what I like about Jacoby Myers is he's Mr. Rodney Dangerfield. He gets no respect in the dynasty community. And I didn't want to steal your thunder, so I didn't use him as an example. But for a point and a half less, you got a wide receiver that is being valued at roughly wide receiver 54 range uh, by DLF rankings. And yet he's producing wide receiver 20 in that wide receiver two if if he's your you got to start three wide receivers and you got to plug him in as the third guy he's going to get you almost as many points as Amon Ross St. Brown that we were just talking about but talk about at a much bigger discount higher huge huge discount and even when he was you know a couple years ago doing the same thing still no respect and you know I don't know if it's just because it's the Patriots and they've got the rookie or now the young 
uh, quarterback or what it is exactly or that he was undrafted. He doesn't have the pedigree, but there's so many guys like him out there that it's hard to rank. It makes it hard to rank the, the other guys. And what are you truly going to get? Dynasty. You want somebody that's going to increase in value. Jacoby Myers is that lunch pail type guy that you just want on your bench. You want him there. Um, wide receiver three, wide receiver four, cheap, 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 uh, but very tough to rank. I agree with you. Yeah, I I think, and again, I'm I'm susceptible to this as well. When you get guys that come in that are later day three, or in this case, undrafted, uh, I think it actually says a little more. The fact that they were able to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and not only gain NFL regular usage, produce within that, he's in line now to get a substantial life-changing contract that he did not get coming into the NFL, living week to week, living month to month and season to season. And I, I think all those things converged. You know, the Patriots not being a big, sexy passing game with Tom Brady anymore. That's another factor. And maybe having quarterback questions at this point. Uh, like you said, they drafted Tyquan Thornton that, you know, we'll see it, how much faith they have in him based on how much, you know, appeal they have giving Jacoby Myers back. But yeah, and I also think the, the names we're, we're already bringing up, it speaks to the depth of wide receiver. You know, that outside of two, three, four names, depending on how you tier the very top of the position, there might only be two or three tiers between wide receiver four, four, five to wide receiver 30 something. So just having quality depth and having, you know, a good three or four within that zone is probably the biggest takeaway for dynasty team builds more so than I have to have, you know, Traylon Burks, or I have to have uh, Amari Cooper, or I have to have Drake London, or you start pi- you start pigeonholing and saying I have to have certain players. When I think the value in a startup draft, and we'll get there in another couple of months, but the value can find you. The, the you know in terms of team building, and I think it's becoming a lot easier at wide receiver to build quality depth in a startup because it doesn't run dry in round six or seven. It goes a lot deeper because some names are largely ignored. Absolutely. My who's your, second, who's your next uh who's your next and second player this week? Yeah, my second guy that I think is tough to rank, and I think he's being over overranked and overdrafted, and I'd like to hear your opinion, is T. Higgins, uh Cincinnati. He's young, you know, he's got good, strong physical size and uh decent pedigree drafted in round two, but then you got Jamar Chase as the alpha who's been out for a few weeks. And, you know, Joe Burrow, as good as he is at being a distributor of the football, and there's a lot of mouths to feed between the running game uh, and the wide receivers, even Tyler Boyd has has done fairly well. Right now, T. Higgins is averaging 13.9, almost 14 fantasy points per game, which puts him right around wide receiver 23. But on DLF, He's being taken as wide receiver six in the rankings. Wide receiver six. That is insane to me when you, there's so many other guys in his, even Alan Lazard, who is so underrated. You're not going to get the same kind of draft capital as you would if you were to trade for T Higgins. But if you could get, you know, an Alan Lazard type, and I'm not even that crazy about him, or a Michael Pittman or a Brandon Ayuk, they're all right in there in points per game and similar in age type guys. Even Jacoby Myers is is averaging more points per game than T. Higgins, and that's even without Jamar Chase being there. So a guy that isn't 
I don't know that he's ever going to produce what he's being drafted as. And I don't know that he's ever going to be the wide receiver one now that they've got Chase. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things is, A, Joe Burrow's ability to elevate and have two wide receiver ones on that team is one question mark. Jamar Chase not going away. T. Higgins probably isn't getting away from that depth chart anytime soon either. And so you say, can it consolidate to the point where both of them can eat in a, I'm trying to think back, was it Des Bryant and Miles Austin for a singular year? You know, they were yes. kind of in that ilk of, of high level producing pairings. Julio and uh, Roddy White uh, was another one. They were passing uh, various points in their career, but you have two early, you know, 22, 23 year olds on the same depth chart. So this has possible historical significance you know if they work out over the next five plus years and they can retain that that big three with burrow contract wise and then the other aspect is if he's not jamar chase is he the one that stands to 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 be overvalued as you said as people put him in the mid top 10 range of of dynasty wide receivers Um, i will say like the past three weeks uh, he's been in the, t- he's number 13 uh, in those three games Jamar Chase has missed. So obviously higher than he has been for the season, but you can't, you know, you can't really elevate based on injury away status at wide receiver. Like that's a tough line to thread for situation. I think the appeal with Higgins is this he's on the clear success track. He's produced early. He's, uh, he's invested and attached to a strong uh, and quality offense. So you put those things together and you say, should we, because I think dynasty, it comes down to, well, you want to value the talent and don't punish for the situation. But the thing you're pointing out is, is the situation likely to change anytime soon? And it probably isn't. So Higgins being a floor plan, I think the thing you said is, you know, at that point, you need to have a big ceiling, right? I mean, if you're in the top six, eight, 10 dynasty wide receivers, you need to have a huge ceiling. Like you need to have, I could be top two or three in a season and we shouldn't be too surprised. And is that one of the the major things like for the price? Are you really getting some big ceiling potential? And you're not. And that's the thing. Jamar Chase is averaging 20 and a half fantasy points. He's wide receiver seven on the season right right now, even with his injury and being out and T Higgins at 13.9. If you look at his past three weeks that you just mentioned, he's in the top 13. He's not doing anything different than what he was. He had 23.8 this week, 13 the week before, 13.9. And then before that, he had 14. He had 25. He had 14. He had 19. So even in week two, when Jamar Chase was there, he has produced. And I'm not saying he's not a starter level guy, but he's not that stud that the wide receiver six ranking would imply, in my opinion, based on everything else that's going. And so if you're going to draft him in round two of a startup, round three of a startup, that's pricey for what you're going to get when you could get a guy like even Mike Williams, who, no, he's not as young, but he's he's producing in that similar range as well. There's just so many other guys that if you wait on wide receiver – um, I'd like to discuss a trade that I made earlier this season with T. Higgins. The trade was offered me. I've got a fairly good running back core of Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Ramondre Stevenson, and a few others. So the offer was they send Justin Jefferson and I think a, a small pick for T. Higgins and Alvin Kamara. And I I accepted it in a heartbeat. Alvin Kamara isn't going to, the loss with him wasn't going to hurt me with the depth I had at running back. 
I thought it was a dynasty move because I'm going to get the dynasty wide receiver one who is an impact and it's fairly shallow rosters. I think it's like 28 man for dynasty. That's fairly shallow. Um, but also Alvin Kamara has legal things. He could be suspended six games or more next year. Why even deal with that when I've got an incoming? It's also Debbie one round. I've got a couple of incoming running backs that can take his spot next year. If I wasn't going to hurt for Alvin Kamara this year, I'm basically getting Justin Jefferson for T Higgins. You know, yes, I had to throw in Alvin Kamara, but to me, that wasn't that big of a, of a difference. Yeah. And and I think the biggest pitch for Higgins, you know, if you, if you are making one that, oh, he should be that high, it's mainly the age, the fact that the bust risk on him is almost zero on what he's produced so far. It's been in a a high competition for targets environment with Tyler Boyd is, is, is a, a relevant part. You know, of of these these last couple of years, you say Jamar Chase comes in instantly, starts producing, and yet Higgins is still there, a guy you put in your lineup basically every week. So I think that's the pitch, and I, I guess the other pitch would be: well, we're seeing that you know he could be uh, in the top ten to fifteen easily in production with Jamar Chase out. So that's the pitch. I would say. Um, of the uh, similar to some of these others, his career arc so far, about half of them turn into future wide receiver ones. And then uh, it's about 85% more top 24 seasons. So again, the bust risk is really low. You have a young player. But I think what you're saying is, I mean, you have a lot of pivot options that what I like is that he's high enough, like you mentioned, the cost to go up to Jefferson, or in my opinion, going up to a waddle, like it, you wouldn't have to pay a, a crazy empty your depth chart price. And, and so it's within reach. And here's the other thing. I think you have probably 20 wide receivers that you have a chance to pivot, quote unquote, down to that might be similar producers. Or, I mean, like if you were to switch to uh, Brandon Ayuk right now, you would still get a pretty decent plus on top of that where Ayuk ha- has a decent chance to outproduce uh, T. Higgins over the next couple of years. And really, that's all we can grade trades on. You can't go and say, oh, well, he's slightly younger. And how's this trade going to look in 2025? I mean, that's a little too far-fetched for folks. And so really looking in that shorter prism of, did I win the deal? I mean, we we might be looking in 12 months and say, you know, Traylon Burks is as valuable or more valuable. I mean, there are a lot of pivots that you have that I think what we're saying is if you trade away T. Higgins in a pivot, it, it probably isn't going to kill you, right? I mean, the killer, killer fashion of a trade is if you trade away T. Higgins and he's wide receiver four next year, that kills you because he's an uh, an overt dominant producer. But if he's you know wide receiver, if he finishes this year and you look up and he's wide receiver uh, 19, and then next year he's wide receiver 17 or 24 or whatever, like that doesn't really move the needle that much to say if you traded him away from Traylon Burks and you know, a second and some other piece that helps you. And it's like, if Traylon Burks doesn't turn out to be a stud, it doesn't really kill you in that you gave up T Higgins, I think would be the design of what we're saying. All right. Uh, I'm going to go to my last player here and boy, talk about expectations coming into this year. And it's a real prism of what do you think you see in Rashad Bateman? Currently, he's wide receiver 55 to 60, somewhere in that range of points per game. And you look at the first couple of games, and it, he was a breakout candidate. Marquise Brown, gone, potential star right here. He goes six for 167 and two touchdowns the first two weeks. It looks like he is on his way. 
but he played just six games. He's gone out of sight, out of mind in what was supposed to be a breakout year. And here's the problem. As a round one, you think you have a lot of insulation. Well, he's two years in, and frankly, he's two years into a Jerry Judy-like start to his career. You pretend like you have a lot of time, but here's the problem. Round one and high pedigree guys show out early, and they produce really well early, generally with those hits. Devontae Parker doesn't happen all the time. And so 12 peers from the round one group that look similar through a couple of years, there's only two wide receiver one outcomes. These are lower outcomes than T. Higgins, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jacoby Myers, guys with lower pedigree. So when you say the lone big hit here, the lone big outcome is Reggie Wayne. So when you say, oh, year three is the common hit. Oh, just wait. Give, give round one guys as many passes as they need. That's not really the historical case. And you could say, oh, he was robbed by injury. Okay. But what do the Ravens think? Are they going to go back to the well for wide receiver? They've drafted guys. Devin DuVernay, uh, Tylen Wallace. Um, and I'm trying to think who is the... They, they, they've drafted... James Prochet. James Prochet. Um, but the, and then, again, previously Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman. They've invested a lot of top two, three, four round picks into this position. And where do they sit right now? They're starting uh, Demarcus Robinson, for goodness sake. That's been, that's their answer right now. So I don't know if Bateman's going to have a lot of faith this offseason to not see tangible competition from free agency or another top two, three round pick. They can't be happy with what they're getting out of wide receiver with what they put into it in recent years. So that's one of my biggest concerns. The other concern is, uh, you know, uh, yes, you if you want to use it as a as a fail safe of oh he got injured, that means this year doesn't count. The point is it does count. Injuries count. Availability is one of the biggest traits of ability. So I think Rashad Bateman, he had huge expectations going into this year, the assumptive breakout. It didn't happen. And I think it's important to continually readjust, recalibrate, and reset your sights because I have him down in the wide receiver 35 to 40 range. And I could see him lower than that by the time we get to May. Yeah, and DLF happens to have him at wide receiver 24, right below Devonta Smith and right above Gabe Davis and Mike Evans. And again, for the Mike Evans, I know, I know, because it's the potential. And that's the thing with young wide receivers. As you mentioned, you can hang on to them so long. Just thinking, okay, the breakout is coming. It's going to be here. I I really want to have him. He's so shiny and, and beautiful. There's a reason the bust risk at round one wide receivers is about 50%. Half. So you can't annoy all these guys. It's half. You're you're almost better off at wide receiver, you know, waiting for the guys and paying up for the guys that have done it already for a couple of seasons. And, you know, like Stephon Diggs. Why is he ahead of Deontay Johnson? Can I ask? It's mind-blowing. It is. It is. And that's what... I I don't understand. I I agree with you on everything that you said. He's just he's not somebody that I'm paying up for, uh, especially given so many other options out there. But what makes him the final point? What makes him tough to rank is he's young. He's got round one pedigree. We've seen him put up strong games, and the depth chart right now is wide open for when he is healthy. The big variable is will the Ravens let that happen? And, and you know in and. Is he going to be able... Because we saw Marquise Brown not really truly be able to eat with Mark Andrews there. Mark Andrews is going nowhere. He's in his prime. And so it's almost a de facto wide receiver 1B 
or wide receiver two role with the Ravens. So that's the other that's the other situational wrinkle that Rashad Bateman is locked into for at least the next couple of years. All right, we're going to do an update to the UTH uh, best ball and subscriber contest here. But what are your final thoughts uh, for the week heading into Thanksgiving? Do you have a rap song for us this year? Uh, sometimes, <laughs> you got, sometimes you go in and uh, you are a rhyming uh, diva of Debbie here going into uh, into Thanksgiving week. But uh, poised to be a fun one. We got a final month of the fantasy season upcoming in front of us too. Yeah, no, no rap song today. I'm sorry, but uh, just remember to set your lineups. We got a couple games tomorrow. It's going to be a long weekend. Uh, stay safe out there. If, if you're traveling, especially travel safe. It looks like the airlines are starting to figure things out. There's less delays and less cancellations. I'm thankful for that since I travel so much for work, but I'm also just thankful to have so many good people in my life. You, Chad, you know, Tim, Jordan, the whole team, my prayers for Marla and just prayers for a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I will say take it, take some time because set your lineups, you know, a little, a little firmer. You have to with all the Thursday games. And I always find that I have a little extra free time, a little more downtime in these, uh, you know, the, the, the crush and rush, uh, zone of, of mid season here, uh, before we get teams starting to be eliminated from playoffs. So make sure you check those trade deadlines, uh, spend an extra couple of minutes looking at those, uh, but, but also take a, a, a deep breath, you know, Friday, Saturday into Sunday, knowing that, uh, it's a little different of a, of a, of a cycle and a rhythm for this week than the others. I um, want to give a shout out in the best ball contest, uh, recording Wednesday. So a little late, but, uh, Rod Rombauer, you're going to get your, your love here taking down the contest and really you're challenging at the top of the board as well. You uh, had the perfect storm. You one of the few in the contest to have Isaiah Pacheco, for example. You have the big forty point game out of Tony Pollard, so he's been coming on late of you uh, for you. Jamal Williams has been a touchdown maven. Actually, got he he got two two Atwell for the long touchdown in his uh, in for his lineup this week. So cool to see. Uh, he has a deep lineup. He took a bunch of wide receiver shots. Uh, plenty of them aren't working out, but you know what? That's why you take a lot of them is that you only need a few of them each and every week. So he had the perfect storm outcome this week for the top of the board. And he moves up to number two, challenging Joe Baird there for the top spot. We're seeing a little bit of separation between uh, Joe and Rod compared to the field, but still pretty close as we go into the final month or so. So congrats to Joe, overall leader so far. Congrats to Rod for taking down week 11 of the contest. And we head on. Uh, if you want to contact Katie between episodes, you can find her on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Check out all the premium podcasts. Uh, we're going to start to get into the flow of draft season when we get to later December into January. You're not going to want to mention. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Um, I've I, I also added some new elements as we go through the skill positions here to the quarterback and running back projection models wide receiver and tight end to come. So you're getting updated Debbie rankings throughout the college season. You're also getting weekly updates to the dynasty rankings trade calculator, and you're not going to want to miss premium podcasts like film notes where you get distilled down for every game of the season uh, every week. And you also get things like running back roundup where I go through every NFL depth chart at a critical position in dynasty and in fantasy at running back. So for Katie, myself, Chad, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. Happy holidays, everybody.